you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Psalm 65. Psalm 65, we will uh, be in that text this morning. What a beautiful day God has created for us to enjoy and to come together as His people, His family, to offer our worship and our praise unto Him. I want to begin this session this morning by reading uh, this psalm, Psalm 65, uh, kind of a short psalm, but packed with a lot of, a lot of good things for us to consider. Psalm 65, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist David writes here, There will be silence before you and praise in Zion, O God, and to you the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions you forgive them. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God, of our salvation. You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their ways, and the tumult of the peoples, they who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. You visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless it. Bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty, and your paths drip with fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip, and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. Yes, they sing. David is the one to whom this particular psalm is uh, said to write it, to be the writer of this psalm. But I don't know exactly when David wrote this psalm. I don't know where David wrote this psalm. Uh, some suggested possibilities in doing some study on this psalm before this lesson. Uh, Derek Kidner, that I use from time to time in the Psalms and in the book of Ecclesiastes, I gave these possibilities for maybe the occasion for writing Psalm 65. He said, maybe it was a spring festival of the first fruits, and David is leading God's people to thank and to praise God for the bountiful harvest that they were enjoying. Maybe it's kind of toward the end of the growing season at the autumn harvest festival, toward the end of their particular year. And a third possibility he gives is maybe it is after a time of national deliverance, uh, maybe after some tragedy has occurred in the nation, maybe after a famine there's been a drought perhaps. Whatever the occasion was, Psalm 65, as we just read this, and as we're going to think about this particular psalm for a little while this morning, it really is a beautiful psalm, I believe. 
Psalm 65, I think, paints a very rich, a very colorful, a very animated picture of praise for God and all of the bountiful blessings that He bestows upon us every day of our life. And as I thought about Psalm 65 from this particular standpoint, as we're kind of, uh, at least I'm trying to uh, center our thoughts on what the psalmist says there at verse 11, that you have crowned the year with your bounty. To me, this psalm just oozes blessing. (laughs) That there is just blessing from God, and God's bounty is all throughout this particular psalm. Kidner also comments on this psalm, that this psalm, quote, uh, put every harvest hymn to shame as plotting and contrived. Here we almost feel the splash of showers, And since the springing growth about us, yet the whole song has this directness, whether it is speaking of God in his temple courts in verses 1 through 4, or God in his vast dominion, verses 5 through 8, or God among the hills and valleys, which his very passing wakens into life, verses 9 through 13. You can see, I think, and hopefully you will see at the end of our study of this psalm, that this psalm is just very vibrant. This psalm is a colorful picture of God and all the blessing that he gives to us. And so as we come to the end of another year, as we're quickly winding down 2023, I want us to look at Psalm 65 as a year-end praise for God's bounty. As we think about that, the first thought I want us to consider is to think about what we owe God. And notice here just a few verses that I have up here on the screen. Let's go back and read those and consider those in a little bit more detail Verses 1 and 2, as the psalmist David begins the psalm, he says again, There will be silence before you and praise in Zion, O God, and to you the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come. Verse 5, By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation. You are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea. And then in verse 8, They who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. I want to just pull out, uh, I think it's five things here from these few verses that that David reminds us that we owe God, our great creator. First of all, we owe God a silent praise. And to think about that particular terminology, that that verbiage, it may kind of seem to us on the surface like that's a contradiction, a silent praise. When we think about praising God, as we read that even in Scripture, it's usually opening our mouths, isn't it? It's certainly opening our hearts to God, but it usually involves opening our mouths and praying to God or blessing God or singing hymns of praise to God. But here David says, there will be silence before you and praise in Zion. So we owe God a silent praise. This is, in my mind anyway, somewhat of a stillness that waits on God. We can think about maybe uh, from Psalm 46. We have a song, I think, in, in our hymnal. If it's not in ours, it's in, I think, the hymns for worship. But takes the words from Psalm 46 and says, be still and know that I am God. <laughs> Uh, It's not just saying that we're sitting down on the job and we're not going to do anything else until God acts in our life, does something for us. But it is the idea of 
we, there's a stillness about us. There's a calmness that we have as we live in a world that there is a lot of tumult and there is a lot of problem and a lot of upheaval that we as God's people, when we think about God, when we come before God, we can come with a stillness that is waiting on Him. But we owe God this silent praise. It flows from a heart that is, as James Smith says in his book, The Wisdom, Literature, and Psalms, a heart that is so full that momentarily it can find no means of expression. Think about that. That sometimes we, we are just so uh, filled with God and our thoughts of God are so high and so grand that maybe at that particular moment there really are no words for us to describe or to communicate with God. It is a silent praise. I believe David, as he begins Psalm 65, is reminding himself and God's people of old and us today that we owe God a respectful silence of reverence. We owe God a respectful silence of awe for who God is and for what God does. Notice there again at verse 8, David says, those who dwell in the ends of the earth are standing in awe of who God is and what God has done. And it is this kind of silent praise that is waiting for the right time maybe to express itself more fully to God or to God's people. Secondly, as we continue thinking here about Psalm 65, we owe God the fulfillment of our vows. And that's where David goes at the end of verse 1. If this particular psalm is praise for God's answer to a prayer that David has uh, given to God, has communicated to God, as kind of seems to be uh, the case here as you read verse 2 is he is saying to God, you are the one who hear our prayers and so all people want to come to you. If it is the case that this psalm is, is returning praise to God for God answering David's prayer, maybe again, whatever the circumstances are in David's life or the nation's life, maybe it is God has answered a prayer to lift a drought in the nation. Maybe it is on a more personal level that God has answered David's prayer to forgive his sin, as is talked about here in Psalm 65. Then it may be the case that David had vowed, he had promised to God that he would give God some service upon receiving an answer to his particular prayer. We need to remember that as God's children, we have entered into a covenant relationship with God. We have, in effect, when we became Christians, when we became children of God, in effect, we were promising to God that we were going to serve Him, we were going to submit to Him, we were going to surrender our entire being to Him for the rest of our lives. So I think it's good for us as we come toward the end of another year to think about, you know, have we really done that? Have we done the best that we can to fulfill the vows, the promises that we made to God when we became a child of His? Thirdly, David tells us in this, uh, this psalm that we owe God our communication. And one way that we come to God is in prayer, as David talks about here again at verse 2, to uh, owe you who hear prayer. As David, again, whether this psalm is a response to a prayer that God has answered, some specific request that God has answered in his life or not, he is reminding us that one way that we come to God is in prayer. God certainly desires a very close relationship with us, just like he had a very close relationship with David, his servant. 
And so he desires that we make this a friendship, a fellowship, a partnership, if you will, with God. He wants us to be in regular, close communication with him. The fourth thing that we owe to our great God is our total trust. Uh, Notice what David says um, there at verse 5. He says, You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea. Again, as his people, we have to be people who are placing our confidence in him. We have to be people who are not relying upon our own wisdom or upon our own strength, but we have to be relying upon the wisdom of God. We've got to be relying upon the strength of God. We have to be people who are relying upon God for everything in our life. In short, as is talked about so many times throughout a lot of the Psalms, God has to be our rock. God has to be our refuge, and He has to be the only rock that's in our life and the only refuge that we have. And so when we have made the decision to be a child of God, we really gave up all of our options. I think it's very similar to those of us who are married. When we entered into that covenant relationship of marriage with God and our spouse, we were saying to God and our spouse and to others, we have forsaken all others. We're not looking around anymore for a spouse. We've made our decision. And so it must be in our relationship with God. We owe him our total trust. And then finally, David says to us here in Psalm 65 that we owe God our heartfelt joy. Uh, Notice there at the end of verse 8, he says, You, God, the creator, make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. He is our good creator. He is our good provider. He is our good king. And so... Creation is involved in joyful praise to God, and we, as those made in His image, certainly need to join in that chorus of praise. So we owe God these and other things simply because God is God. That's the only reason we need. That's good enough. But much, how much more then do we owe God all of these things and many more because God is who David is reminding us here in this psalm that God is, because God is a God of bounty, because God has blessed all of us as His children very richly and very bountifully. So having thought about what we owe God then, I want us to think next about praise for God's spiritual blessings. And to to read here kind of in the the middle section of the psalm, uh, verses 2 through 5 again, he says, O you who hear prayer, to you all men come, Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you forgive them. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple, by awesome deeds. You answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation. You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea. Although God's physical blessings, and we'll talk about those here in just a moment, certainly God's physical blessings for David and for the Israelites and for us today, that they are numerous. They they are just, they are given to us in abundance, aren't they? God is not a stingy God. God. God is a God who blesses us with much more than we actually need. But just as God's physical blessings to us are abundant, so are His spiritual blessings. And it's interesting to me, as I've put here, verses 2 through 5, kind of at the opening to the middle part of this psalm, that this seems to be where David's mind is as he begins this psalm. Sometimes maybe 
our minds are more on our physical blessings, or at least maybe that's where our mind goes first. And I'm not saying that's wrong in any way. But here, David's mind seems to first be on the spiritual blessings that God has given to him. This is where his heart is. As we know, Scripture describes David as a man after God's own heart. So notice what David says in these verses about the spiritual blessings that God gives us. Number one, God blesses us by hearing our prayers. Isn't that a blessing? To know that the the Creator, the great I Am, the one who is the everlasting God from everlasting to everlasting, as the Psalms, psalmist tell us in Psalm 90, that He hears my prayer, and He hears your prayer if you are a child of His. And not just that He hears our prayer, but of course He answers our prayers. To think about again how much, as we just talked about what we owe God, how much we ought to be in communication with Him. Sometimes maybe we get so caught up and, and we, we are running so rapidly, so busy in our everyday life, and hopefully we're not doing bad things, but maybe it is in the hustle and bustle of everyday life that we just kind of forget about God. But God is always thinking about us, I'm convinced. And God is longing to hear our prayers He wants to hear from us. He is a father who longs to give us exactly what we need. We're not going to take the time to read all these passages this morning. You can write them down or think about them later if you want to. Uh, In the New Testament, Luke chapter 18, you might remember the parable that Jesus tells in the early verses of that chapter about the persistent widow. Remember that? (laughs) That she came to the unrighteous judge and she wanted the judge to hear her case and to provide justice for her. And this man doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about his fellow man. He's just kind of maybe in this position of judge looking out for himself, what he can get out of it. But Jesus tells us there that because this woman is so persistent, not because he cares about doing the right thing for her, not because he cares because she is someone who is made in God's image just as he is or cares about pleasing God and doing what's right, but because this woman just won't let up. Then he finally decides that he is going to hear her case. And Jesus tells us here in verses 6 through 8 of Luke chapter 18 that our God is a righteous God. Our God is a righteous judge. Our God wants to hear from us. He longs to hear from us. And so we need to be people who are very persistent in prayer. And I think we see examples of that all throughout the Bible. Jesus himself, the apostle Paul. We can think about Daniel, you know, praying three times a day. Uh, Lots of good examples for us. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, uh, Jesus gives us those famous words there that what we need to do is ask and seek and knock. (laughs) And if we do that, God God will give us the things that we need. Uh, I I like what is said over in the companion passage in Luke chapter 11. If you want to turn over there, we'll just look at a few of those verses. Luke chapter 11. As this chapter begins, Luke says... Uh, by Jesus praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus gives them what we often call the model prayer here, and the example prayer. And then he tells them a parable, just kind of like he did back in chapter 18 that's connected to prayer, and talks about this man who is asleep, and it's midnight, and his friend comes and, and knocks on his door and said, I've got some guests that have come to my house, I need some bread. 
And Jesus says that even though they are friends, this man that's asleep in his house, he doesn't get up and give this man bread because they're friends. He get up, gets up and gives this man bread because he is persistent about that. And notice what Jesus says here. Again, these words that he mentions in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 9 beginning, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Matthew records these words at the end of this discussion as saying, how much more will our Heavenly Father give what is good or good things to those who ask of Him? But Luke records the words of Jesus here as this is a spiritual blessing that God will give the Holy Spirit to us. There will be fellowship, there will be relationship between us and God. And so it is a blessing something that we should never take for granted, that God hears our prayers. Secondly, God, as we come back to Psalm 65, God blesses us by lifting our heavy burden of sin, something that we cannot do in and of ourselves. He forgives our transgressions against Him. He gives us the strength that we need to defeat those temptations that come along in our lives, sometimes those very strong desires that we have that may be of a sinful nature. He gives us the strength when they prevail against us. And David uses that kind of language in Psalm 65. When my transgressions, my iniquities are prevailing against me, God is the only one who has the power and the strength to do that. And God does that for us, his children. And so we can think about in the New Testament passages like John chapter 1 and verse 29. Behold, Think about that word, behold. <laughs> you know, focus on, fix your eyes on, in the, in, the, in the words of the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 12, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us who Jesus is, a beautiful passage of, of Jesus, but telling us that our great God through His Son Jesus Christ has brought us out of the kingdom or the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light of his dear son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. God has lifted our heavy burden of sin if we are his children. Thirdly, Psalm 65 tells us that God blesses us by inviting us into his presence, that he wants us to dwell with him as it were in his holy house, in his temple courts, that he has chosen us as we know from the New Testament in passages like Ephesians chapter 1, that God in Christ has chosen us before the foundation of the world, before He created any of the physical creation that we know and experience, that He chose us in Christ to come and to be with Him. And in that passage in Ephesians chapter 1, just such a beautiful picture of all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. That, that He has not only chosen us or wants us to come and to dwell with Him or to be in His presence through His Son, Jesus Christ, but He wants us to fully enjoy who He is, His goodness. He wants us to fully enjoy every spiritual blessing that He has made available for us in Jesus Christ. This idea from Psalm 65 of bounty, <laughs> 
that God has richly blessed us on a spiritual level. And then finally, from Psalm 65, he blesses us by being the God of our salvation. Because we know without God and without God's marvelous eternal plan to deliver us and to rescue us from sin, that all of us, we would all be helplessly and hopelessly lost. And so as this year, 2023, comes to an end, I think it is good for us as God's children to just pause. Not just hopefully this morning, but to pause in our busy lives and to praise God for His bounty of spiritual blessings. But then, at least in my mind, verses 6 through 13, the rest of the psalm talks to us about praise for God's physical blessings. And you know what? As we just thought about all the spiritual blessings that God has given us, a spiritual bounty that God has bestowed upon us, His children would certainly be enough. But David reminds us there is more. There is much more. Because God is a God who steps into our world. God is a God who, as it were, floods our world and our lives with physical blessings on top of all the spiritual blessings that He has given to us. Praise for God's physical blessings is built upon God's awesome power to create, but God's awesome power to control what He has created. As David mentions here about the mountains and the roaring of the seas, you know, even even the most stable and rock-solid mountain or the most tempestuous sea that we could ever experience here in this world, it is absolutely no match for God. God is the creator of those things. He is the one who has created and controlled what He has created. The strength and the serenity, though, that God shows, even toward His inanimate creation, certainly carries over into His dealings with us as well. Notice what David says there at verse 7 that our great God, the one who blesses us with a bounty of blessings, He is the one, David says, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. God, as He deals with us, as He interacts with us, He understands that we go through times in our life where we're just kind of like the roaring, raging sea. And there are difficulties that we experience. I want you to think about in this section just the the words of fullness that David mentions here. In verse 9, he says to us about God that you visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. Notice here from verse 10, he talks about uh, God again watering the earth and watering its furrows abundantly. Verse 11, he says again, you have crowned the year. You have topped off the year with your bounty and your paths are dripping with fatness. Dripping. There there is a word that just talks about the abundance of blessings, the bounty of blessings that God gives us in our lives. Verse 12, again, he uses this word drip, that the pastures of the wilderness are dripping and the, the hills are girding themselves with rejoicing. And then finally in verse 13, he mentions that the meadows, the pastures are clothed and the valleys are covered. <laughs> that God is not a God who does things haphazardly. God is not a God who does things uh, just um, halfway. 
God is a God who goes all out, if you will. And God goes above and beyond to bless us, not only as we've already talked about all the spiritual rich blessings that we have available in Christ, but God goes above and beyond to bless us physically. And so here is our great God when he visits the earth. His presence and his power is so majestic, David reminds us, that it causes the earth to overflow with his fullness, with the fullness of his blessings, such as grain and rain. God, again, verse 10, is preparing the earth to produce an abundant harvest. He's watering well its furrows. He is smoothing out the small ridges of dirt in each row. Maybe some of us kind of lose the imagery here because we grow up in cities. But if you've ever been out on a farm or ever been out in a pasture, you, you can relate to what he is saying here. He is softening the rain, is softening that hardened ground, thus blessing its growth. Verses 11 through 13 again, the outpouring of blessings, God's blessings on the earth and all of its inhabitants, David said, is so great that the well-worn paths, maybe the dirt roads that they were walking on at this time, again, they are dripping with fatness. And the normally desolate and perhaps dry wilderness is dripping too. And the hills and the valleys are covered with grain to the point of rejoicing and song. And the lush meadows, you can just get a picture in your mind, are teeming with sheep. That there is just abundance everywhere you look. Because our God has crowned the year with His bounty. And so no wonder David just tops off this grand picture of God's blessings with saying those very words in verse 9. That you, our God, the creator and sustainer of all, you have crowned the year with your bounty. As you think about and reflect on your life, maybe your family's life, maybe you can think about this family of God here at Fairview and what we have experienced this year. We've all been through some difficult times. Some of us, many of us are experiencing difficult times right now. But to try to put that all into its proper perspective and to ask ourselves the question, surely God has done the same for each one of us throughout this year of 2023 and really every year of our life. God has crowned this year with his bounty. And I would encourage you to take some time maybe today or this week to think about how God has done that. If you're a list person to maybe sit down, sit down and write a list and to think about these are the ways in which God has richly blessed me. Because as 2023 comes to a rapid end, we all need to be like David here in this psalm. We all need to be people who are pausing to praise God for the bounty of all his blessings. Our God is a bountiful God. We are a blessed, blessed people. And we ought to live like that. And that ought to motivate us to live a life of praise that glorifies and honors our great God. Well, I hope I've given you some good things to think about. I hope David in Psalm 65 has given you some good things to consider this morning. And let's keep those thoughts in mind as we're dismissed to our classes.